certainly if you guys are listening now and you feel like, you know, submitting yourself for Fan Fridays, we're going to try to start doing it more consistently again. So hit us up at LockedOnNicks on Twitter. And, you know, you can slide into the DMs and let us know if you want to come on. But today for our, our comeback episode of Fan Friday, we have Adam Leibowitz. And with Adam, we are going to get into a couple of fun topics, including existential dread in regards to the New York Knicks, the time Adam won a contest and got to eat dinner with Walt Frazier and sleep outside the garden for an indiscriminate amount of time, and finally, the Kyrie Irving news and what that makes Adam and us think about the Knicks' chances with both him and Kevin Durant this summer. And then a wider conversation on expectations for the summer and what we would consider success. All that and more next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Knox foul from behind. Count that one. As Fisdale pumps his fist. Milikina. What he does is contagious. Robinson with a catch and slam. Across the lane to Trier. Trier drives. Becomes infectious. Welcome in, everyone, to Locked on Knicks, the return of Fan Fridays. We are very excited to bring this back. We decided to do it kind of as a surprise. We still had some of you guys that had, uh, you know, reached out to us to try to get in on it. So today we brought in Adam Leibowitz, who is here to talk about his fanhood as a Knicks fan uh, and all that good stuff. First, though, I hope that you guys are listening to us on the Himalaya podcast app. Of course, it is free, super easy to use, and has every single podcast that you love or are searching for. They even let you have personally curated playlists made just for you by expert podcast tastemakers. Hopefully, those tastemakers enjoy Locked on Knicks. At least I'm hoping that. Anyway, Adam, how are you today? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. How are you guys? I can't complain. Yeah. I don't know about Gavin. Okay. I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm doing superb. Um, I'm, I'm excited to get into this, Adam, because you, you threw some, you threw some pretty interesting ideas out at us, and I think, and I'll, I'll get into why, but I, I think today in particular, they're, they're kind of timely. But before we get into that, um, I want to know, like, just, just go deep. Um, how did you become a Knicks fan? What, what, what's the full history? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm from New York. I'm from Westchester. Uh, I'm 39 now, so I was born in 1980. So, uh, actually my first love was the Mets, you know, like the 86 World Series, uh, was a big piece of my childhood. And then, uh, as I started to fall in love with basketball, uh, is when, you know, early 90s started to happen. Um, so I was along for a good ride, uh, despite Michael Jordan existing. Uh, so, you know, I loved those 90s Knicks. I watched it a bunch and then I uh, went off to college and uh, found one of my best friends, Danny, goes by Danny Hoops on Twitter. Um, and he was just as big of a Knicks fan as I was. And so, you know, we spent college uh, watching all the games and that was the transition from playoff Knicks to modern era Knicks. Um and, uh, yeah, and then we lived together for, we were roommates for a bunch, for a bunch of years in New York City. And when DVR was invented, you know, it like revolutionized our lives because then we could, you know, watch every Knicks game together. And, and from that, I don't know what year that was, but from that point on, I pretty much watched every Knicks game of every season, uh, to the bitter end, uh, up until probably my second kid was born a couple years ago and then, and then things got in the way. But uh yeah, I've I've been around for a while. That's pretty cool. I mean, has it have you already started uh poisoning your children with Knicks fandom yet or <laughs> have you, are you going to let them make their own choices? Uh n- they can decide whether or not to like basketball, but if they're watching basketball, if they're getting into basketball, it's it's going to be Knicks. Um I haven't taken them to the garden cuz I don't want to waste that kind of money on a 3 and a 5-year-old. Uh but we've gone we go to the Westchester Knicks every year. 
Um, and they think that's the real Knicks. They have no idea. So, uh, <laughs> so and we got Knicks stickers up around the house and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's um, good because you're, you're introducing them to some winning because the W makes kind of good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I'd love to live in a world where John Jenkins and Jordan Baczynski are just like the best basketball players. <laughs> that's honestly that that's, that's better than the one we currently operated. Steven Zimmerman, Knicks hero. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, Adam, um, I, I don't, I don't know the full, the full background on it, so I, I want just, just as much context as possible, but you, you were telling us you, you slept in the garden before after winning a contest. Just, just give me everything on how that happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, so like I said, I've been big into the Knicks for a long time. And, uh, so back even, even before that, like when, when Nick's blogs first started coming out, I was like one of the commenters and, you know, this is like 06, 07. Um, and I got some guest blog appearances on like when Mike Doherty used to cover the Knicks for, for Lohud and when Alan Hahn was doing Newsday and I would be like up in their comment section and stuff. Uh, and then somehow out of, somehow out of that, I, I heard this contest. It was in 2010, like the LeBron year and they were doing this show Friday night. Knicks Friday Friday Night Live something like that where on July 1st at the stroke of midnight when free agency started they were going to do a live taping of the show with like Alan Hahn and and Al Troutwig at the Garden and so there was this contest contest to to write in and prove your Knicks fandom and they would pick three winners um and the people that won that these were the perks you would you would go to the Garden this was before the renovation so you would go to the Garden and sleep there like not even in the garden. It was like out on the walkway. Like <laughs> I, I, I could get into that, but uh, it's like a punishment. Yeah, so you exactly. got the privilege yeah. of sleeping well, on the except, street for a night. <laughs> they put up these like air mattresses. Like they made a whole living room out of it. Uh, they turned it like it's right in front of where the theater is. They they made this whole bedroom out of it, and there was like a security guard who watched us sleep all night. But the other the other the thing is we had we got we had dinner with Clyde. So oh, like five came out and we had this big dinner from Carmine's. Uh, they took us on a tour like behind the scenes and like all the plans of the renovation and what was going to happen and all that stuff. Um, and then there was a, there was a, there was a Carol King and James Taylor concert that night. So we got, so we, they just brought us to that because what else were we going to do? The cool thing was that it was on the ticket. It said Carol King, James Taylor. So right in the middle, it said King James on the night of that free agency. We all thought that was like a definite sign. <laughs> uh, that he was coming. Um, and then, uh, and the biggest thing was, oh, and we were like on the show or we were like, we saw the taping, but they gave, they, you got two free tickets to opening night of the following year, you know, the potential LeBron year. So that's why, that's really what I was, what I was in it for. And, uh, I wrote some poem. It was like 125 words that you had to write in. And so to like try to set myself apart, I, I wrote some rhyming poem about, you know, Nick's fandom and all the shortfalls and all of that. And I linked to that guest blog I did for, for Darty. And so I think that's what got me in. And I was already, I mean, I was 29 at the time. I was already the oldest one of the three. I was getting married in like a month or something. It was, it was fun times. That is really sick. I, the thing that stands out to me the most is that Dolan and the Knicks essentially put you guys up in like a MSG shanty town. Yeah. For the night. <laughs> that's exactly right. Oh, that's right. And uh, posting and toasting was around. And I remember I was emailing Seth like updates about it because he was like so psyched to have someone on the inside to like tell him what was going on. You know, on. that was that was actually my next question. You said you were like a blog OG and I, of course, write and edit and stuff for posting and toasting. I, I, so I, I know I got to know it's your P&T guy, too. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> what would have happened if you had just tried to leave before? Like you, if you were just like, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't really want to sleep outside. Do I have to? I feel like this gift card would have been like, no, 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 it's part of the experience. You, you got the good part. Now you have to sleep outside. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure there was something to that. The weird thing was like, you know, I actually there was a TV there. We actually did fall asleep, and then like there was people commuting in the morning. You know, there's there's like a Penn Station entrance right there, and like the subway. Yeah. So like we wake up, and there's just like New York City happening around us, like walking Incredible. people walking by us. Yeah. I can't believe you were legitimately outside. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's under the walkway, but like, yeah. yeah. So, I wonder what time they would have like forced you out. Like if, if you were just like, if you had like stayed up kind of late and you were just, like, it's like 1130, you're like, guys, I really, I really don't like to get up before one. And they're just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been fun. 
Were there any were there any like takeaways from the dinner with Clyde? Like any any memorable moments? Um, I, I've talked about it in this podcast before, but I, I went to his basketball camp one time and like literally like two interactions with him, but they're just like seared into my mind forever. So it was there. I like I'm, I'm sure he's just like he, he like he really is the guy you see on TV. Like he's like this warm, like friendly, charismatic, like out there dude. But yeah, just a, a, anything from that. No, yeah, no, that he just like he he hung out, like he chilled. He was super yeah. nice, super friendly, like took all our questions. He like we he sat down and and we ate food, you know, he hung out for like 45 minutes or something. Wow. Um and like he, we tried to get him to like really go in and like peek behind the curtain kind of stuff and like he was only saying all the right things of, you know, about the Knicks and yeah, they got a shot of LeBron and all that stuff, but um we were talking, he was talking a little bit about like basketball in his day and how it's changed and, you know, defense and blah, blah, blah. But, um, no, it was great. That's my, my, uh, my Twitter picture is me like, you know, him holding up his championship ring and, and me next to it. That's the closest, might be the closest I ever come to a Knicks ring. Well, that is sick. <laughs> and I want to, I want to like get into some of, uh, the stuff for the future here, but I think yeah. that's going to be best served if we take a quick break. And then come back and get into that with you. So we're going to take a quick break. First, uh, just a reminder, today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I am joined uh, by Alex Wolf, as always, and not as always, a Knicks superfan who has probably watched maybe – Thousand more Knicks games than me. I'd, I'd estimate loosely. Adam, you're real loyal. Adam Leibowitz, uh, happy to have you here with us. And uh, we, we were sort of we were, we were sort of dancing around the topic. The summer of 2010. In your last segment, um, it seemed like you were. I mean, at least for that night, like really kind of in the thick of it. Um, had that feeling they were going to get LeBron, as so many of us did, and uh, it just didn't end up happening. Uh, what was your I guess you were saying, was that the same night as the decision that you won the contest or, or two separate nights? No, it was the night that free agency started. So it oh, was like okay, the stroke of midnight, July 1st. Uh, but, you know, like nothing was going to be official anyway until whatever. They, there's like a, that grace period. And the decision didn't come. I forget what date that was, you know, but it wasn't until days later. Uh, right. Yeah. And where where were you when you were like watching the actual decisions and just – and just like in the days leading up to it, were you were you kind of confident or were you just getting like shakier and shakier as like kind of some of the reporting came in? So, yeah, I was never very confident. I think like by that point, the Knicks had already broken me in terms of having any hope that like good could happen. Um, but then I don't know if you guys remember, but like 24 hours before the decision, there were all these rumors that uh, that like suddenly it seemed real and like the MSG stock took off. You know, like there was, there was, I think it was like the day before or something. And it was like, suddenly it was like, holy shit, this might really happen. Oh my God. You know? Um, and then the, I think the next day was the decision. And by the time the show came on, enough info had leaked that he was going to Miami. I don't remember. I definitely watched it. I don't remember where I was. And like, at that point it was just like, yeah, of course, you know, and, and honestly, you know, at that time, um, of the quote unquote like superstars in the league, I, w- I was like my two least favorite just in terms of kind of how they played were Melo and Amari <laughs> and Bosch and Bosch was, was three, like all three of them I wasn't huge fans of, but I say Amari totally proved me wrong. And like he won me over and Melo totally proved me right. <laughs> well, <laughs> man, that's, that's brutal, man. <laughs> in terms, in terms of you know the style of play that I like to watch and root for. Adam, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. If that yeah. helps. No, that's totally understandable. Yeah, I not to not to turn this around, but we've never actually like discussed this on here, Gavin and I. So I was I remember the night of the decision. I was playing in a rec basketball league that summer, and there was a game. Like I had a game like during the decision, and I was pissed. <laughs> so I was like, this sucks. Like, how dare they schedule a game on the most important night of my life? And like, I literally, I had friends there. They had, you know, they had smartphones and whatever. And, and the one is, was like super, super into, uh, into checking everything all the time. Like she was always on, on social media and shit. And I was like, Lindsay, for the love of God, do not say what happens like during the middle of this game. I'll figure it out once we're done, but I want to be able to focus on this damn game. Because right. if you say it, I'm going to, like, either die or, like, die. 
I was going to die one way or the other, happiness or sadness. And what happens, but, like, halfway through the third quarter, she yells out, LeBron went to Miami. And I'm like, what the fuck? How dare you? <laughs> but, yeah, that was, a, that was a terrible night. I, and did it ruin your game? It, I Yeah, I I subbed myself out for a few minutes. <laughs> Put my head between my knees for a little bit. And then subbed myself back in after a few minutes. Um, and didn't play very well. But, at any rate, I, I'm just kind of curious, you know, what lessons do you think that that taught you going into this summer. This one, this one feels a little different because I don't know if we've seen the level of certainty in reporting that we've seen with KD up until recently, which like now, of course, in crunch time, everybody's starting to say, you know, starting to try to make it seem like it's a, it's not a foregone conclusion, but the reporting for most of the year has been that Durant's coming to the Knicks and it, it feels about as real as anything that has ever been reported as far as a free agent to the Knicks. So how are you feeling like going into this off season? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to let myself believe, but I agree. It feels different. I mean, if really, if you're looking at it, like LeBron had a lot more reason to join that team at that time in 2010 than KD does joining this team, but it never felt like that was going to happen. And it just, seems like things are lining up. I mean, all I'm going by is just what everyone else is saying. So, I mean, that who knows? And, and, and I don't think Durant really knows either. So how could anyone else know? Um, but I'm also like, again, I just don't believe anything good can happen to the Knicks. I've seen too much. So even if he comes, it's like, then he's going to get injured or no one else is going to come or like, whatever, the garden's going to explode. Uh, you know, like, um, but no, I mean, I, it seems like there's a real shot at this happening. Um, but I'll believe it when I see it. What Adam, what do you, was, was you, you sent us a message, um, when we said we were going to do a show today and we we're kind of asking, uh, what did you want to talk about? And, and you were, you were kind of saying like Nick's existentialism. And I remember when, when me and Alex were like first having a conversation about like doing the podcast together and what we wanted it to be. And I was just saying like, Oh, like, you know what? Like that's like always going to kind of like be my attitude. Like I'm, I'm always sort of like the sky is falling, but like, I want it to be funny. I want it to be self-deprecating. And then I remember um, we, we, we talked to him like, or at least I, I talked to James before I started doing it. I was like, Oh, do you, do you have any advice? And he's like, yeah, you just like, you, you can't be like negative for like the sake of being negative. Like you just, you just have to be like objective about it and you have to sort of, and I think this, this was a good point. I mean, like just have an open mind because like things could turn around. You don't want to look like the dick who just like said like again and again, like, no, 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 they're going to suck. They're always going to suck. Um, and, and it, it was weird for me to like kind of, I, I don't know if I've successfully like been more positive on this podcast, but that was a weird perspective because anytime I talk about the Knicks and I think to some degree it really is sort of an, emotional coping mechanism but I, I'd always just be like incredibly incredibly down on them and just make jokes before other people could make jokes and I and I was just wondering when that shift happened for you because for me like I I became a fan like when they already sucked and like I, I've had one year in my life where they didn't suck but you you actually got to experience some of the good times so when did you when did you sort of lose hope that like the Knicks could be right. great period of time? I mean to be honest I don't know if I have because it like I'll say all this stuff right now, but, but honestly, the beginning of every season, preseason, like I'm always finding the reason why this is the year they're going to turn it around, you know? And so, I mean, if I did lose hope, it was like, uh, I mean, even what were some of the recent things? I guess it's not that recent, but like when they decided not to sign Lynn just for, just for spite or money, I was like, come on, that's a messed up franchise thing, even though it all worked out when, um, I mean, the yeah, because that was right before the twelve thirteen season. So yeah, that, exactly. Yeah, that worked out all right, but it was still disappointing. Yeah, right. But everyone, you forgot it the next year because, like, suddenly Felton was like a serviceable point guard for a year and and all of that. Um, so no, I mean, look, it started with when I was first getting into my Knicks fandom in the nineties. It was like every year there was like just there was a reason why we didn't win the whole thing. You know, it was like the Ewing finger roll, the Charles Smith game, like the Miami Heat. Uh, suspensions when when PJ Brown flipped Charlie Ward and then it was like oh just a couple like reasons why we didn't advance or like or or it was like we were good enough to make the playoffs but we had crazy injuries or like Steph went AWOL or whatever you know and then McDice's knee blows out or whatever you know all these different reasons and now it's just like man can they not be last place you know (laughs) like Mm -hmm. 
uh, looking for these like silver linings of, of what's going to happen. And so, I mean, yeah, I, I think it was just like the back to back to back, like lost seasons and like the exact same game playing out over and over, like the concept of the fake comeback, like that, how that's now just an understood thing in Nick fandom. Um, because you just watch the same exact game every, every game, every year. And then it's even a lot of the seasons I noticed, like the season can play out like a fake Nick comeback in a microcosm where like they'll start out really hot and then they'll just suck for months in January and February. And then all of a sudden there's like a February or March push that's like, Oh, maybe they're going to do it. And then they just like collapse at the end again. Um, so, but no, look, I mean, even the beginning of this year, I was like, well, they might surprise some people if, if, if KP comes back early and Knox is really like this stud that nobody saw coming, like they, it, LeBron's not in the East anymore. We could, you know, so like I talk myself into it every single year. Uh, so, so I mean, I might, you know, I'm, I'm somewhat negative. I do think like Dolan has some sort of stink to him that just won't let anything good happen. But, uh, but I also, I still believe so. Yeah. I was with you to start the, the off season or uh, start this season, I guess I should say. Yeah. Like, I, I think I was, I was easily the highest predicted wins in the TNT round table when <laughs> it came to that. I think I had something like, I was like, oh yeah, they could win like 30 games. Right. <laughs> no, uh-uh. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's, uh, that just did not happen. Um, I also love the fake comeback too. That's maybe one of my favorite things that the Knicks have like perfected. I don't know if that's my favorite <laughs> Nick related, you know, game term. I think I think my favorite, you know, you mentioned Seth from PNT earlier. I think my favorite is still Fart Dog. Yeah. About about the perimeter defense and, yeah. and Fart Dog was alive and well again this year. Thanks to Absolutely. Movie. Yeah. But um Yeah, I don't know. Uh I, I feel like we could probably take another break and then come back. Uh we wanna get a little more big picture. So I think I think when we get back from our break, we will talk a little bit with Adam about uh, you know, how we define success, particularly this off season, this big one coming up and, you know, going forward for the Knicks. First though, just a reminder, uh, that Locked on Knicks is brought to you in part today by Untuck It. Uh, if you're looking for a great Father's Day idea, their shirts are specifically, specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, promo code NBA, to get 20% off today. All right, welcome back in, everyone, to the third and final segment of Locked on Knicks, bringing back Fan Friday by popular demand. Although, I, I don't know, we hadn't heard any demands for it, but you guys seem to enjoy it last time. So we got Adam Leibowitz here with us. First, though, just a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Grip6 Belts. Grip6 Belts are ultra lightweight with no holes and no flap, and they make a great Father's Day gift. Grip6 has a special offer for you all today at grip6.com slash lock. That's G-R-I-P-6, the number six, dot com slash L-O-C-K-E. Okay, so Adam, first, I'm going to uh, hit us with some news from today because, you know, it's a good way to kill two birds with one stone. We'll talk about the current events and do some Fan Friday and get your takes on these things. Uh, so, of course, the big... Woj bomb today. Uh, he says Brooklyn is trading Alan Crabb and the number 17 pick in the 2019 NBA draft and a protected first in 2020 to Atlanta for Torian Prince and a 2021 second rounder. And that, uh, pick for next year was protected picks one to 14. So lottery protected. So if the Nets are to make the playoffs again next year, uh, they'll lose that pick. Uh, you know, again, to uh, the Hawks this time. And then, uh, of course, this was followed up. You know, this, it was Alan Crabb had a large salary, which then cleared up the potential now, depending on who they renounce and what else they do for the Nets to now also open up two max slots, which is something that the Knicks were, as it stands, the only team with at the moment. Uh, so, and then Woj says Kyrie Irving is serious about the Nets, and the Nets are serious about beating the Knicks and the rest of the league to the biggest free agents in the marketplace, per league sources. Breaking news, the Nets want to do better than the Knicks <laughs> <laughs> and every other team, I guess. I guess that's big breaking news. Uh, so, anyway, Adam, I thought it would be 
you know, again, we're sort of just rolling on through here about, you know, we talked last segment about, you know, uh, just how we've dealt with certain things, how we prepare ourselves for certain things. What does this news mean to you? I mean, do you think in your heart of hearts, do you think there's a legitimate chance that Kyrie and Durant could spurn the Knicks and go to the Nets? Do you think that it's possible that Kyrie's just a weirdo and he just wants to go to the Nets regardless of what KD's doing at this point just because he's feeling it? I, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are here. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that Kyrie's a weirdo regardless of anything else. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it just seems – too perfect from from a jaded Knicks fan point of view that anything else would happen but that. Um, I mean, look, obviously, like objectively, there's there's more to build with and there's a more appealing landing spot in Brooklyn um, with the roster that they have. And uh, I mean, it, D'Lo, I think, is the big question. I, if I was Kyrie, I wouldn't want him there if I was coming, but I don't see that being an issue. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so. I would totally believe it that that he wants to go there. It seems like you get all the best of being in New York City without having to put up with any of the Knicks bullshit. Um so, you know, why why wouldn't stars want to go there? KD is a little bit different because, you know, the whole the whole uh framing around him wanting to come to the Knicks is that he wants to do it on his own. He wants to show that like he can carry a team and be be the man and not just have to chase championships with the Warriors and so doing that but sort of shirking like the biggest limelight to go to the Nets same with like the the rumors of him being interested in the Clippers like there's something that's a little bit of like wimping out uh with that move but I also don't think Durant cares I mean he 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 he, I, I think there's a part of him that seems like he would love to just like put a big, you know, middle finger in the air to everyone that had all these predictions and say, like, I'm doing it my way and we're going to go, you know, dominate the East uh, in Brooklyn and, like, start this franchise up because they we're just getting going. So I totally see it happening. Um, obviously, I hope that, that that's not the case. I could also see, you know, Kyrie going to Brooklyn and Katie still still coming to the Knicks or still doing his own thing. Like, I I don't think it doesn't seem like he's going to be too swayed by anyone else. Like if he leaves Golden State, then then to me, that says he's got this mentality of like, I'm going to go do me and everyone else be damned. Yeah, I think I think I think you kind of summed it up perfectly, um, Adam. And it's funny because we've talked about existential dread last segment in regards to the Knicks and like in that slow, like ticking feeling like, okay, eventually, like everything is going to go wrong. And like, just based on the last 20 years, like it, you, you think something, whether it, it's Chris Stapps, whether it's, it's mellow, obviously for, for different reasons, whether it's Amari after that incredible first 30 games, whether it's Jeremy Lin, like the, the reoccurring theme over and over again is the Knicks can't have nice things. And when they do have nice things, they're, they're destined to fall apart. Mm. <laughs> and that, that's what we keep getting sort of shoved down our throats. And, and then this summer you, you just, you, you kind of, you, you got the idea it was going to be different. I think, as Alex put it, like, there there are no sure things in NBA free agency, but as much as you could be certain about something, the idea of KD going to the Knicks seemed about as solid as it gets, and, and especially, like, in the last few weeks, like, when it's become, like, pretty apparent that Kyrie Irving isn't going to come to the Celtics, it, like, at least initially, like, my thought was, like, okay, like, he's he's going to be a Nick. He's like, what's what's the alternative? And now it seems like that's shifted pretty drastically and I, I think I think you assessed it kind of perfectly like with Kyrie's personality like Brooklyn kind of feels perfect for him and Katie like I just I just don't know because the Knicks I, I think you're right like the Knicks is just the highest ceiling like there's no other way to replicate what winning a championship in New York specifically in MSG specifically for the Knicks mm-hmm. for this franchise that has been so starved for so long like there's no there's no way to top that it just is the best he could possibly do. Going to Brooklyn, though, he the guy's a contrarian, and he's a weirdo. And, like, we literally have discussed a scenario on this podcast where he would not go to New York specifically to spite the media and then just be like, yeah, I told you guys you didn't you didn't really know what you were talking about. You just you just assumed I was going to the Knicks, and, and I kept saying I wasn't sure yet, and no one believed me, and, and here you go. Here's your proof. I'm, I'm Brooklyn now. I, I still – I lean I, – I think I, – I, I do think – him coming to the Knicks 
seems like based on everything we've heard, it is solidified to some degree or another, but you just, you just can't rule anything out. So I'm, I'm like, I, I don't want to put my, I, I don't know where I'd put myself on the panic meter, but I, I just, I feel like it's, it's not totally out of play. Alex, I assume you're a little bit more confident than I am that like this doesn't really affect things with Katie. Yeah. Screw the nets. <laughs> I don't know. My, my thought is, it's just that like, I don't know. Obviously, I don't know what's going on in back channels, and I'm probably being a little bit of a homer here because I've been so sure about, like, oh, they've definitely got a handshake deal with Kevin Durant. But, like, uh, in the same token, I'm like, well, they definitely – there's no way that Nets have a handshake deal with uh, with Kyrie Irving. There's no way that's possible. It, it's definitely possible. Um, I do think if if they do get Kyrie, I think it would be hilarious if they also re-signed D'Angelo Russell, because I think that would just be a huge disaster. And there's already been these reports floated out there about like, oh, the Nets might feel okay about, you know, teaming up uh, Kyrie Irving and, and D'Angelo Russell. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, give, give that a shot, see how that goes. Because uh, there's only one ball to go between those two guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just, I'm trying to just let it all let it all pass me by right now because I get the feeling that the next like three weeks, it's going to be a fever pitch of these rumors. And really all we should do is just wait for June 30th at, uh, what is it now? 6 PM that they're allowed to start negotiating the day before July 1st. So wait till 6 PM on the 30th, see how things go then, and then see what reporting starts coming out and, and base things off of, uh, the reporting that's coming out at the time of, but, uh, anyway, Adam, I, you know, there's a question that you sort of posed to us before we started going, and I'm curious to hear your thought, and then we can sort of give our thoughts on it, too. Uh, but, you, you know, you were kind of talking about, like, expectations and, you know, what counts as, you know, a success for the Knicks these days, given the fact that they've been losing for so long, they haven't made the playoffs in so long. Last year, they tied the franchise record for losses. Um, there's so much on the line with this free agency and with this draft, but there's a chance that they could, you know, walk away with just RJ Barrett out of the draft and then some, you know, supplementary free agents out of free agency or whatever, and, and not actually get Kevin Durant or any of those other big guys. I'm kind of just curious what your thoughts are on what counts as success this year for the Knicks. And, you know, what, what would be like the minimum threshold of success you'd be willing to accept? Like after, this like horrific season that we just suffered through. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, success, you know, actual success would have to be, you know, landing some big name free agents and being a real contender, you know, like being in the playoffs and being a contender to win a round or two, something like that. But honestly, for me, like the minimum threshold of success is just competence. And, and, you know, since Phil Jackson left, we've basically seen it from everyone except Dolan, who still pops up every now and then in the news. But look, if they don't sign anybody, I care less about, you know, the moves they don't make than what they end up doing. And I just don't want to see another mellow trade or another Eddie Curry, you know, signing. Was that a signing or a trade? That was um, a trade. That was, that was probably even worse than the mellow trade. Right. No, no. I yeah. It was, right. it, was Eddie, it was Curry and Bargnani back to back. Um, yeah. I mean, in my head. But right, right. But still, you know, like, I don't want to see panic and then just, well, we got to unload this money on somebody. Like, so if no one wants to come here and we take best player available and we just roll it over to next year and then roll it over to the year after that, so long as nothing stupid happens and and we actually give Nilakina some time to develop in the proper role. Like, that's the other thing that's driving me crazy the last two years. So if we can if he's even on the team come next year. But to me, that's the minimum success is like, just don't mess this up. Don't take on horrible contracts. Don't, you know, do something to save face and let it, let it play out. You know, for as long as they've been bad, that's the crazy thing about this team. They've been bad for 20 some odd years and yet they've still have basically never committed to a full rebuild for multiple seasons. You know, they started to do it and then it was the mellow trade and then they started to do it and they brought in all these vets and we had that, uh, you know, the winning season. Um, and so that's what I would want to see is just let it play its course, develop the young guys, see what they can land you and do it all again next year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Adam. I don't know. I guess my, my baseline is 
is is that they get Kevin Durant. Like I think I think <laughs> they have to do this. It, it's it's just been I I again like I, I I get the I get the perspective that they have. Um, I think Jeremy Cohen was tweeting this out today. Like they have the most first round picks in the league from 2020 to 2025. They have a Solid young core. Um, they have the look and just procedurally have, have gone about their business as a competent franchise for a year running now. And, and that's all great, but we, I, I don't know. It sounds greedy to say we were promised Kevin Durant. He has to come, but it's it sort of, I don't know. I think that's sort of what has to happen for all this to be considered a success. And I know like all, all the context we have now on Chris Stapp's Porzingis is, is suggestive of the idea. Like it was, it was like never going to work out. And like one way or another, he wasn't going to be a Nick or he's going to end up in jail. And like, I, I get it. I get it. But you, you can't come out of all of this without one surefire star. And that's not to say that Mitchell Robinson isn't that guy, because I do believe he's going to be a star, but I'm talking about, Alpha dog who can lead you to an NBA Finals type of star, and they they don't have they don't have that dude on their roster right now. And, and Kevin Durant is that guy. You, you don't get Kevin Durant, and especially if he if he goes to fucking Brooklyn after all this, like that. I I hundred percent agree with what you're saying. Like they shouldn't blow money. Like they shouldn't be giving Jimmy Butler 150 million dollars for five years. That would take a bad situation and make it worse. And there there are ways to proceed in a world where they don't get Kevin Durant where they're very successful and maybe they built something even more sustainable and, and they're good from 2023 to 2033. And that would, that would be awesome. But we, we've been waiting 20 years for this. Like, I, I just feel like this is sort of the most clear opportunity they've had to get a transcendent talent on, on a level different from Mello on a level different from Amari Stoudemire to get a guy that could win them an NBA title. And if they don't get that, like, I, I'm sorry, but this is, this is like, it, it, it's, it's, it's fucked after 20 years of waiting. That that would that would really suck. So I guess um, I'm 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 kind of impatient at this point. Yeah, I guess if I'm setting thresholds for success or whatever, I I'm definitely impatient too, to a degree. I, I think it would the biggest slap in the face would be like if Durant went to like the Clippers or something. I'd be like, all right, like this really sucks, but I understand. But if you went to Brooklyn, I'd be like, God, this sucks, man. Like this is terrible. This is. Oh. This is the worst possible outcome that could possibly happen because that means that little brother just beat us out to the freaking big free agent that, you know, the king that we were promised becomes the king of the Nets instead. And, uh, but I also, I'm totally with, with you, Adam, you know, I just, I don't want the Knicks to do anything, anything rash. And, you know, I think based off their track record so far, I get. I mean, I guess it all changes when now there's this expectation that they're going to land a big free agent. So, you know, that sort of changes how things are going to be reacted to in the media and stuff rather than like the last couple of years when nobody was expecting anything out of the Knicks in free agency or, or you know, the offseason really. This year there's definite expectations. And, you know, I would just hope that they wouldn't crack under those and, you know, do something foolish and be like, oh, like – Tobias Harris, here's like a full, exactly. a full max contract and like whatever. Who's another? The, Chris Middleton. <laughs> Chris Middleton, sure. Yeah. Chris Middleton, here's nearly a max contract. You know, whatever. Like give out all these big, long, multi year deals to guys that aren't really going to push them anywhere further than maybe to where the Nets were like this year, you know, like a six seed, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would suck. So I don't want to see them do that. I don't want to see them waste money. I think it would be smart to just kind of roll things over, sign contracts that are easily tradable, because as we've seen the last few years, you know, free agency is is more volatile than ever before. And I think that also the trade market is more volatile than ever before. And guys become available and, you know, snap your fingers and, you know, all of a sudden you, you look and it's like, oh, like Jimmy Butler's available. And then like five days later, he's traded and there's not all this buildup that you get with free agency where you're having speculation for months on end and you can sort of act quicker uh the difference of course being anthony davis but that was kind of a whole shit show um and that's that's abnormal compared to how things normally go in the nba now usually it's guy becomes available guy gets traded relatively quickly um and and, you know the knicks should just look to position themselves for that sort of thing to secure a star and to just have you know tradable assets and all that and i mean that would be that would be disappointing, but that would still feel like a success to me. But I definitely want to see improvement. You know, I want like at least a 
15 win improvement next year, one way or the other, either with some veteran free agents or, or what have you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There needs to be an uptick in the win total. But, you know, I just I don't buy into the notion that if they don't sign Durant, it's a failure on the Knicks. Like, I, I don't I don't think I don't think the Knicks have much of a role to play in whether or not Durant comes here at this point. You know, like mm-hmm. they they righted the ship. They've got, you know, competent people in the front office and now it's on him. And so also the whole thing of like, well, we can't judge the KP trade until we see what happens in free agency. I don't really buy that either. You know, I think. I like it seems most of New York was super down on the trade and then something magical happened over like 48 to 72 hours where like everyone seemed to come around and see it for what it is. And, uh, and so on its face, you know, they, they wanted to clear cap space. They thought KP was leaving and they wanted a, a shot. They wanted a roll of the dice at these two max slots. And so they took it and. And so I think you can judge it. You know, it's not only what you get out of it, out of the slots or out of the lottery or what, you know, draft position or any of that. Um, the other big thing I was talking with someone on Twitter about this that that trade did is it let us keep all the other young pieces. So it was like you roll the dice with KP and, you know, he, he was amazing, but he had his injury history. You didn't know if he was going to walk, you know, all of this stuff. And instead by moving, getting all the bad contracts off with him, now you roll the dice on Alonzo Trier or Kevin Knox or Dennis Smith Jr. or Mitchell Robinson or Neil Aquino or R.J. Barrett, and you've got, like, multiple rolls of the dice, and you get to keep all those people who you would have had to get rid of to get rid of Tim, Tim you know, uh, Hardaway and to, to get rid of uh, all the other contracts. Yeah, Courtney so, Lee and all that. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Thank you. Um you know, so, so I see that as a success regardless of what happens with it. You know, it's like one big roll of the, roll of the dice or multiple rolls of the dice otherwise. And so, yeah. Well, and again, too, like you sort of alluded to this, but you know, as long as they're not foolish with this cap space, cap space can be used in so many different ways. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be used just to sign Kevin Durant and it would be great if they did, but there's going to be plenty of teams that are out there during this offseason. The Clippers, for example, are going to want to get rid of Gallinari, and he's a perfectly serviceable player and would probably be, like, a really good transitional player for this team trying to get better but not necessarily, like, clear the hump yet. But he's an expiring contract, and, okay. you know, if they needed to clear space, you might be able to get a small asset for that. Um, you know, Crab was one of them, and Crab's now gone. But we just saw the market get set for that. You know, it was probably two mid-first-round picks, and, you know, I don't know what else. You know, it – I guess we'll see, like, over time, you know, what happens with uh, with Torian Prince. But it seemed like, you know, most of what was given up in that trade was on the Nets side and, and yeah. just to get rid of Crab there. So there's definitely, like, a market set that if you want to get rid of a contract that's in the, you know, 18 to 20 million range this year, you're going to have to pay up, like, probably two first-round picks to do it because of how high stakes this summer is and how lackluster next year's free agency is. So, um, yeah, it definitely – I mean – even if they just did that, it would be a, a disappointment on the face, but it would be, I think, a win for the long term, and that's really all I care about at this point, one way or the other. And I uh, can I th- I'm going to throw uh, one one devil's advocate out there, and then we can we can wrap this up. Wouldn't do you guys feel like the Knicks have like what, what you guys are describing now, like where um, like they they strike out, they don't get anyone, and maybe they just they trade for a guy like Alanari, and they say, okay, let's just get like someone solid in here, let's be like a little bit better this year, and and just sort of develop everyone. Like what? What's the balance for you guys between doing that versus like I don't know for my money like I would almost like whoever they end up taking with number three like I'd I'd almost just want to run it back and that sounds horrible in a way but like I think the mistake we've seen the Knicks make time and time over the last twenty seasons is is being bad but not bad enough and then never really escaping like the endless cycle of being like in the bottom tier but not the very bottom tier. Like, I wouldn't mind, like, not not in terms of doing it for, like, five, six, seven years, because presumably, like, the Knicks would eventually get someone, or you'd hope something else would break, but do you think there's a world where it would make sense to try and be the worst team in the NBA again, instead of just being, like, in, in sort of the middle of the lottery pack? And, and like, because the one time the Knicks have done this, and, like, they actually excelled, and they got the worst record in the league, it was the one year where, one, the lottery odds shifted, which was out of their control, and two, it, I mean, like, one of the worst drafts in terms of um, top-end depth 
in recent memory, which was also out of their control, but they could sort of remedy that by maybe getting a top three, four, five pick next year. Or do you go the other way? And because the lottery odds are shifted a bit, say, you know what, we're okay being the eighth worst team. Is there still a relatively decent chance we end up in the top five? I know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you lead that one off. Adam. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm much more the second because I'm just, I'm, I can never root for tanking. You know, I just can't do it. Like I, I want them to get the top pick. And so in all those bad years, I saw the allure of losing, but I just, I, I, I'm when I'm watching the games, I can't root for it. I can, I, I don't want that to ever be the strategy. And it's already bit us in the ass so many times. Like the, the KP year, you know, like, yes, we ended up with KP, but we were, you know, one buzzer beater away from, from Minnesota, from, from being, from having towns, you know, uh, and, and of course that's the year where the worst team did get the number one pick. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, you, you chase, you chase all these lottery picks and then you, the fact that the chances that we're going to get another KP, you know, like we did it. We had the lottery where we got a generational star. I can't imagine that's happening again, you know, like so quickly. Like we did it and it didn't work. And so it's don't expect that to happen again. Let's try this other thing. And I don't even see, I mean, even let's say they trade for Gallinari and, and some of the young guys take a big step. Yeah. Middle of the lottery pack. I don't see them all of a sudden becoming this like playoff bubble team and stuck, stuck in that place. Um, so I'd love to see improvement. Let the young guys get a little bit better. Being the seventh worst or the, or the tenth worst is a little flatter odds now, so that's fine. And that's how you develop the young guys. So then the next year you take another step and another step, and then uh, and then you start to find the pieces like Alex was saying, where you can take a home run swing, and suddenly someone else becomes available, and 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 you go for it. So uh, yeah, if we can't get any of the big names this year, that's how I'd love to see it play out. Just give me something to root for, give me watchable basketball, and give me players that I like watching and rooting for. And, you know, I'll second that, you know, for similar, similar reasons, you know, I think that I think one, yeah, it would be nice to see a few more wins and see, you know, like if the Knicks would be the worst team in the league again next year, that would mean that like no, nobody progressed at all because the only reason really that they were so, so bad this year is because you had, uh, you had three rookies playing significant minutes that were figuring their shit out. You had, uh, you know, a number of other like second year guys that were figuring their shit out. And you also had, you know, just honestly like really bad veterans. <laughs> like it just really wasn't a good team with good veterans on it. So like, it, you know, you would want to see that improvement and see some extra wins. I also think like when you're talking about, you know, I, I don't want to hand out a whole bunch of money to Gallinari-esque players. But I'm perfectly happy to bring on Gallinari-esque players on one or maybe even two-year, you know, deals, especially if we get them in trades, because then you get those extra assets, and that I'm all about. And, like, as this year's lottery proved, like, you know, I I just – Adam, were you, at the, were you at the watch party? Did you go to the – No, thing? no, no, I couldn't think I wanted to be there. Okay, well, so, I mean, the <laughs> – just it was the most insane thing. I mean, it's it's unlike anything I had seen before as far as how the lottery went down this year. And I think that's probably going to be our new normal this year uh, or, you know, not this year going forward after this year is, you know, teams are going to be jumping a lot. And so if the Knicks next year would, you know, run it back, but add a couple of veterans, take on a couple extra assets, who knows, maybe one of those picks even becomes a lottery pick, you know, number 13 or something and jumps into the top five or top four or whatever it's it's a real possibility now and I I feel a lot better about that and if the Knicks would end up you know pull the typical Knicks quote-unquote and end up you know the eighth you know lottery odds or whatever I feel a lot better about you know their chances to jump up now than I ever did before so I'm fine with just you know trying to improve and, and not really looking at like tanking in earnest for a while yeah it'll it'll be interesting I guess I, I don't know. My my fear is if they don't get anyone this summer is is sort of becoming the Phoenix Suns, where it's just and maybe maybe this is antithetical to my last argument that they should try and get the top pick in the draft, but just continually adding young pieces and just not ever really finding that guy because I mean as we've we've seen over the course of the last five six seven years there are a lot of teams that have sort of been on the same path the Knicks are on of rebuilding and acquiring young assets. And 
It, I mean, the whole thing, like, at a certain point, like, you have to either cash them in or you have to get lucky and draft the one guy like a Luka Doncic or, like, what we think Zion Williamson's going to be and, and get that dude who just changes the fortunes of everything and is just single-handedly good enough to pull up all those other solid pieces you got and, and, and turn it into a cohesive unit and something that could potentially win an NBA title because if not, you're, you're sort of in danger of doing this for years and years and years and you can always say, well, you know what, we, we have all these young pieces and the next time a transcendent player becomes available, we're going to be the top option for them. But those guys, the James Hardens of the world, the Kevin Durant's in free agency, like that only happens every couple of years. So that, that's why I, I guess to, to go back to my previous argument, I, I think it would be such a significant setback, even, even with all the things the Knicks have currently going for them, if they didn't get Durant. And I know you guys aren't arguing that to the contrary, but I guess it just, it's just sort of a matter of scale. And, um, I mean, we'll find out this summer one way or another. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. Uh, all right. I feel like, uh, I feel like we've probably reached our conclusion at this point. Yeah. Somehow this, this turn, I felt like we were running short. And then I looked at the clock and I realized that we're like pushing like an hour right now. So Adam, thank you so much for you know staying up with us and hanging out and and chit chatting. Uh, is there anything that you want people to be aware of? We will of course tag you on Twitter, but if you want to shout it out or if you have anything else you want to shout out in here, let us know. Um, I will just say that uh, I work for a social justice foundation called North Star Fund. So if you are an activist and an advocate in New York City or the Hudson Valley. And uh, you want to donate to a good cause, check out North Star Fund. That is a hell of a great way to end the episode. So definitely check out North Star Fund and donate to them because everybody loves social justice, especially <laughs> in today's America. So uh, thank you so much, Adam, for coming on. We really appreciate you coming. And uh, this was really a lot of fun. So we're glad to have brought you back for the, you know, the, or brought you in for the first time for the, the, you know, fantastic return of Fan Friday here. Thank you guys so much. This was fun.